Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill. With me, as always, is Austin Waiter. What's up? And we're back talking college football action as we're right on the cusp of conference championship weekend. We had a rivalry weekend here, final week of the regular season for everybody but Army and Navy. Um, And boy, oh boy, we've got uh, some special situations set up for the college football playoffs. And, uh, you know, just truly, uh, it's getting interesting. We don't know if chaos is going to break loose. It looks like maybe yeah. not. Um, but we've still got some interesting things left to shake out, obviously, uh, in this final week and uh, heading into uh, the conference championship games. Um, but we're going to start first by talking about uh, Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis. Prayers up to him. Uh, an absolutely heartbreaking injury. Um, but he has announced that will be the end of his college career. And so we wish him the best going forward. And, uh, uh, quick and uh, speedy recovery. Um, but Florida State uh, wins this game handily, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, their situation a little bit later on. But um, we obviously hope for the best out of that situation. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just brutal, you know. And, you know, people want to say, well, how does this affect the college football race? I don't give a, I don't give a crap about the college football race when it comes to this. I just feel bad for Jordan Travis in general. I don't, I don't think it's fair and, you know – it wasn't like it was an on-purpose thing. It was just one of those freak accidents, you know. A guy makes a tackle on him, and it just yeah. It's not even he didn't even get hit low. It's just kind of the way it looks like the way he got folded up. Yeah, um, and yeah, I just I just feel so bad for him. I I if Florida State was going to make the playoff this year, I would have really wanted him to have the chance to prove it because he he's been a fun quarterback this year. Really, his whole career, he's been a pretty good quarterback at Florida State, and he's gotten better year after year after year. And uh, yeah, I, I just wish I just wish he could see uh, him finish in and out. And yeah, that that is absolutely brutal for him. And I hope he has a speedy recovery and someone in the NFL gives him a shot. I hope so. Yeah, and uh, we'll get into looking at some of these other games now. Uh, and we'll start here with uh, number three, Michigan, thirty-one uh, twenty-four victory over Maryland. But um, I think it's safe to say again. Uh, there are definitely some concerns for Michigan coming into this matchup this weekend. You know, we kind of talked about it. We were worried about the way they had completely excluded the passing game uh, last week against Penn State. Um, and then into this game, it's, you know, a little bit more of the same. They threw the ball 23 times and 141 passing yards, but an interception and no touchdowns, uh, 12 completions of 23, so just barely over 50% completion percentage. Um, they got the job done. They ran the ball well, but with only a seven-point victory, uh, you think about it, uh, their defense really was uh, the big piece for them in this game. But in a matchup against Ohio State, who has a much better offensive line than Maryland does, um, Ohio State could hang around. Um, obviously, we saw what Maryland's high-powered offense could do against Michigan, and that defensive line really got in and affected uh, Tulia Tagovailoa at the end of the game. Um, but I, I don't know that they'll be able to create those same kind of problems consistently against Ohio State. Um, and again, it just you know we'll see what happens when game time comes. But to me, another concerning performance out of the Michigan offense. Yeah, I mean, it seems like <clears throat> year in and year out, they do this. Leading up to the game, they're like, oh, you know, Michigan doesn't look like they're 100%. And that's what happened here. I mean, they were up 23-3 to early. So I was like, man, look at them. They're on a roll, entering the game. And then they get outscored 21-6 to the remainder of the game. They were able to hang on and win. Um, but it was um, it, it, it was scary for a minute there with Maryland. Uh 
props to Maryland. They made it a lot tougher than it should have been. Um, but yeah, there and are they some, covered. Yeah, they did cover for this man, for this man's bet of the week. Um, well, obviously, mine was a little bit more heartbreaking. We'll worry about that one later. Uh, but yeah, it's the important thing, like I said, especially with there not being a ton of chaos this year, is they're staying on track. You've stayed yeah. on track all year, same with Ohio State, and now they're destined to meet. And I mentioned this to you before. This is the first time uh, we're actually – I think this is the first time we've actually met the week of Thanksgiving to pick. So this will be the first time we're actually picking Michigan-Ohio State live on the show. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by this. This is this is something we hadn't done, actually. Absolutely. So uh, it, it's a, a first for us here at the Bull Take Podcast. Uh, when it feels like we're running out of first, we, we find another yep, one. We, find, we always find another one. <laughs> um, then we've got Louisville with a 7-point, 38-31 victory over Miami. And uh, Louisville keeps getting it done, like we kind of say, uh, staying on track. And, uh, again, we'll have this conversation in just a minute when we discuss the rankings about, you know, how uh, Jordan Travis's injury is going to kind of affect some of these teams because I think there's a, a realistic possibility that it doesn't just affect Florida State's chances and it affects uh, Louisville. And I'll get into a little bit of those thoughts a little bit more um once we get there but this was a good win for them again uh i'll say it again i, I know you're probably getting tired of it the pit loss oh is, my gosh is it's just, brutal uh unbelievable <clears throat> it's uh, brutal. big hats off to louisville and jeff Brom for what they've been able to accomplish uh this season and just his first yeah. year at louisville but uh, imagine how much bigger it would be without uh, that loss uh, sitting on everybody's mind and having that undefeated record. Of course, you can't think about that now. You've just got to keep fighting every week and try and go 1-0 and every week. Yeah, I was about to say, they got to go 1-0 and next week. Kentucky, a sneaky good matchup for them. That's going to be tough to win. Um, and then you got to play Florida State. Even if they don't have Jordan Travis, um, that's still an undefeated team. Uh, that's going to be a problem to deal with. So uh, they got to be ready every single week. But, yeah, this was a good win for them. And credit to uh, Jack Plummer. He was actually, I think, one of the guys, if I'm correct, that came over from, I think he was from, like, California or something, where he transferred from. I believe it was Cal. Um, But anyway, he's come over. He's been a phenomenal quarterback for them this year. He's been really good for them. Uh, Their ground game was good. And the defense came up with some stops when they needed to. Um, They came up with a stop on the final drive. The Hail Mary Miami caught it, but the defense tackled him short of the goal line. Almost gave me a heart attack watching it live. Um, but they found a way to win. And again, yeah, 10 wins in your first season at Louisville. Um, I think that's a pretty successful first year. If you ask me, Austin. Yeah, absolutely. I I think this has been a a big year for Jeff Brom and, uh, obviously just hats off to what they've done out there in Louisville. But, uh, you actually sent me these, uh, tiebreakers for the big 12 and the, uh, pac 12 and what could possibly happen. Um, so with that being said, we'll talk about Oklahoma. I got a seven point victory over BYU keeps himself on track for the conference championship. Uh, so we'll go ahead and talk big 12 now. Yeah. And apparently I learned it's these, and apparently I heard there's like a hundred plus other possible things they have ready for outcomes, depending on what happens this weekend. So but these are the main ones. These are the small handful, the most likely, yeah. I guess we can say, um, scenarios for the college football championship surrounding big 12 matchups. Uh, on Friday, November 24th. Uh, Oklahoma remains in contention with either a win or a loss against TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas will clinch both a berth to the championship and a number one seed with a win over Texas Tech. 
If Texas wins and clinches a berth on Friday, the following scenarios uh, apply surrounding the Big 12 matchups on Saturday. If Oklahoma State defeats BYU, the Cowboys clinch a berth as the two seed. If Oklahoma defeats TCU, uh, and that win is followed by a Texas win and an Oklahoma State loss, the Sooners are in. Um, This is a whole mess. (laughs) Uh, If Kansas State defeats Iowa State... Uh, and Texas wins, and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State lose, the Wildcats are in. <laughs> if Texas Tech wins against Texas, um, no team can clinch a bid uh, until Saturday. Texas can still clinch a berth to the championship if two of the three two-loss teams, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, lose on Friday or Saturday. Texas and the remaining winning of those three will qualify for the championship. If Texas loses on Friday and two or three of the two lost teams win amongst Kansas State, Oklahoma State on Friday and or Saturday, there will be three or four teams tied for the championship berths. And then there are multiple scenarios that exist in the circumstance contingent on which teams remain in the tiebreaker. So And breathe. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of questions to be answered. But if you're rooting for chaos and mayhem, in the Big 12 and the college football playoff, uh, a big wrench into everything would be Texas Tech pulling off a massive win and then everybody else uh, winning their games. Um, so if you're rooting for chaos like Austin Waiter is, you might be what I mean for Listen, Texas I am Tech. a chaos rooter. I will be a chaos rooter until the day I am gone from this earth. I want chaos. Um, I, I just find it funny. There's st- There is still an outcome where it could be like, Oklahoma State and Kansas State playing for the Big 12 title and like or it's Oklahoma and Texas still or you know Kansas State and Texas uh, there's just I just find it funny and then like I said there's so many like tiebreaker rules that they have ready um it it would just be hilarious if it worked out like that I would not know what to expect uh yeah um and uh, those of you who have been listening for a while now at least dating back to last year you'll remember I dove into the Pac-12's right. tiebreakers. We did a whole episode about it, about uh, my disgruntled fury that uh, Utah had made the Pac-12 championship. I think it was Utah that I was yeah, upset about. it was about. Utah. It was between Utah and uh, Washington. And I thought Washington should have had the bid because Washington had uh, the better overall record. Uh, both teams only had one loss in conference, but Utah had that Florida loss. But out of conference, Washington was undefeated. And I was stunned to find out that that is not that is actually the very last yeah. tiebreaker in the well, pack. Wasn't it like combined record of conference opponents? Isn't that what it was? Yes. So uh, they were tied through like the first three tiebreakers, and the fourth tiebreaker is conference record of opponents of conference opponents. And uh, uh, Utah did not play Cal, uh, and instead they played Oregon State. And instead of playing Oregon State, uh, Washington played Cal, and that was like a six or not. That was like a two or three win swing in conference. And I mean, that's enough to cost you right there when you play everybody else the same. And then, so uh, I was a little bit disappointed to see that. I get how that can be a tiebreaker down the line, but I, I don't know how. Uh, to me, that should be the last one completely. I don't know how overall uh, record is not the second tiebreaker after conference record. I, okay, that's yeah. what I would have thought. It should be or, conference record, yeah. overall record. Or, you know, they always say the highest ranked team. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure Washington was still the highest ranked team between the two because because they were one loss. Yeah, because I think twenty, I think it was like two thousand air, two thousand. I was like the big, the Big Twelve South. They had like three teams that ended in a three way tie for the top of the conference. How did they determine it? Highest ranked team in the BCS standings, Oklahoma got it. So, um, you know, I I think to me the, re- the whatever your ranking is, that should be the best one because that means that's the one that's playing the best at the end of the year. You want the best matchups. That to me equals that what that should be. But the Pac-12 saw otherwise, and might be one of the reasons why this is the last year of a conference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but saying that, we're going to get into the Pac-12 conversation a little bit because uh, Utah, Arizona. It was a beatdown. Yes. Arizona looks like one of the best teams in the country right now. Uh, I am, I've am. i been so impressed with the way oh this my team's gosh. turned around this season. Um, but with that being said, Washington is in the Pac-12 championship, of course, to help their college football playoff chances. They'd really like a win against Washington State this, uh, this weekend. Um, but Oregon, they need to win over Oregon State, or they need Arizona to lose to Arizona State. Either of those things yep. happen. They're in. No worries. But if Oregon loses to Oregon State, Arizona gets a win. Arizona is in the Pac-12 championship, and that is uh, just just (laughs) unbelievable. I never thought I would be saying that at the beginning of the year. Uh, Again, so impressed with the way this program has turned around. So uh, still some things left up in the air in uh, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 because, you know, the SEC – has its answer. We obviously know the big storyline coming into the Big Ten uh, this weekend, Ohio State-Michigan for the right to play Iowa, yep. uh, <laughs> which is, you know, a crazy <laughs> sentence to say. Um, you know, wonderful, wonderful Iowa. And the ACC's is already completely said. locked up. So, you know, it, it is nice to have a little bit of pandemonium left uh, on the table. Clemson gets another big win to move to 7-4 to four. They're thir- uh, with a 31-20 to 20 victory over North Carolina. And it's just a shame. Uh, again, three of their last four North Carolina have dropped, I believe, or three literally, of their last five. Literally a repeat of last year. It's literally um, last year all over again. It's just been unfortunate for North Carolina. It's a team that's right there, and they just can't get over the hump. Um, but you know, uh, consistently being one of the top teams in the ACC, um, Mac Brown is clearly doing something right uh, oh, yeah. for this program compared to what they were before he got there. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to backtrack to the Arizona thing. Oh, yes. Um, if Arizona, if I'm Washington, I would rather play Oregon than play Arizona. I don't think there is a team in the country. I've said this every single week, and I don't care. I'm going to say it. I don't think there is a team in the country that wants to play Arizona right now. They're the hottest team on earth right now. They're scorching through rankings, opponents. Look what they just did. To I Utah. think like all and literally their one loss in their last couple of weeks, a seven point loss to Washington. And I'm, I mean, whatever. If I'm Washington, I'm saying, dude, Oregon, you better win. I do not want to face the hottest team because that's what's been the Pac-12 recent years. Last year, SC was a top team. Here comes Utah in with three losses. Utah kills them in the Pac-12 title game. So that could literally be the storyline this year. Now, I mean, either way, it's going to be a fun Pac-12 title game. For sure. Either we're getting a Washington-Oregon rematch, which is must-see television, or we're getting Washington versus the hottest team in college football, must-watch television. Um, yeah. So it's going to be great. But North Carolina, you're absolutely right. They always stay in the thick of it. They just need to finish a season out. That's the big thing to me. And honestly, the big thing is, what are they going to do in future for the quarterback position? What's, what are they going to do after Drake May? Because we all agree Drake May is most likely gone. I mean, he's probably going to be the second, maybe the first QB off the board in the NFL draft this Absolutely. year. So, 
uh, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, Mac Brown's already said he's coming back for another year. Um, so I'm interested to see what the future is in North Carolina and if he can just get him to finish. He's done it at Texas where he's go- actually ended up on top and made multiple national championship games. Can he get North Carolina somewhat close to that level? And speaking of the ACC, other news, obviously Syracuse firing Dino Babers. Um, that was kind of coming. I mean, three straight years of starting really strong, and then you just kind of fall off at the second half of the year. Uh, it was time for Syracuse to move on there. But Yeah, uh, clearly, I, I, I think if you're uh... – looking for a, a, a coaching spot. I, I think there should be some guys interested in making that move to Syracuse. I agree. How competitive that program has been. Um, like you said, just not able to keep that consistency the whole year. Get you a big-time name in there, uh, somebody who can draw some talent in. And this is a team that can be a plug-in to a, a competitor in that I, ACC. I will say one name I would really like at Syracuse, Jamie Chadwell Liberty. I think he would be a great hire. I don't know if he would really if he fit in with the culture at Syracuse, but I think I just think overall he's a great coach. I think he could fit in there. I think there are some lower level coaches that could uh, would like it because it's not necessarily a sexy job, but it's at a Power Five school and it may be one of the worst ones, but it's one you build up that gets you to another higher level job. And so I think there should be a lot of lower level coaches that might consider that Syracuse job because there's a lot of talent there and there's a lot of talent willing to come there because they know they can compete. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about a couple uh, scary matchups here. You had uh, Missouri sweating it out against Ooh. Florida. Um, came down to what, a fourth and 18. Yep. Brady Cook drops back and throws an absolute dart Um to uh, somehow a wide open receiver I don't makes know a how. fantastic reception, and then they break off two more huge plays to get into uh, easy field goal range for the thicker kicker Harrison Mevis, uh, who has been the uh, kicker of the Bull Take Podcast. Yeah, he has been an exciting, <laughs> thrilling kicker, uh, probably the best kicker in college football right now. And you give him a chip shot like that, and he puts you away. Um, hitting the Gator Chomp as he runs off the field. Savage. <laughs> uh, it was a it was an impressive moment. Uh, absolutely thrilling finish to a game. And Washington sweating it out uh, against Oregon State. Scored all twenty two points in the first half of this yep. game. Um, and still somehow hung on uh, to win this game. So uh, a couple of those top ten teams sweating it out here uh, as we get down the stretch, and especially Washington, who's competing for that college football playoff spot. Um, boy, oh boy, they needed that win and they somehow pulled it out. Yeah. Uh, and then just to finish it up, Texas, a 10 point victory, uh, against Iowa state. This was a tough one. If you had the bullet take parlay, Ugh, uh, just a little off Iowa state put up a, a great effort in this one. And then LSU with an absolute beatdown of Georgia state and another impressive game from Jaden Daniels. Uh, but more of an expected kind of performance against a team like Georgia state. Yeah. Um, that Texas, Iowa state was brutal. I don't think I've rooted that hard. For a team to pull off an upset in a like a long time, yeah, well, at least this season. Like, I don't think I've rooted for a team as hard as that since Arkansas, uh, since some Arkansas games this year. But no, I was I was so hard run. Once they blocked that extra point, returned it for two. I was like, it's over, isn't it? The, all the hopes gone. And then they were scoring and scoring. I was like, well, can I at least get a cover? Nope, not even a cover. Uh, but no, Texas was able to survive. Washington, I mean, you want to talk about survive? And I think that game. It would have been better, but the rainy conditions just made it like such a sloppier game. Yeah. Um, thank you, weather, for ruining a primetime game. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, the Mizzou one, I literally caught that ending because I showed up with about three minutes left. I was like, 
Mizzou really the week before they play Arkansas is going to lose to Florida at home on senior day. And then the miracle fourth and 17 conversion. I was like, that's a new low for like, even for you, Florida, that's a low point in this year. Yeah. Um, I had, you know, just been keeping an eye and I remembered the game was on and I was like, Oh, let me check in on this, you know, going to watch Arkansas, Missouri. Uh, let's see how bad Missouri's beating Florida. So, uh, I can get ready for Arkansas to maybe uh, take down. A top 10 team. <laughs> and I turn it on and yeah, like you said about the three minute mark and they're down and just watching that final drive, uh, for, um, Missouri, I think the thing that makes the game even more disappointing of a finish to me, sure, you give up the big play and you go with the big field goal, but then they kick it deep um, and you get the touchback and you get one play from the 25, three seconds left, no timeouts. So, you know, it's going to be pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo. You're going to be yeah. throwing it around, running it around, you know, a lot of laterals. I love that here. analogy, pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo. Um, and they run the short in, and the receiver drops the ball wide open, and they have they don't even have a chance. I think that was the most deflating part of the whole loss is you get this three-second opportunity, you know, sliver of hope, but a chance, and you get the guy wide open because they're dropped back in coverage. And, and then don't forget they got another second left because, remember, the ESPN girl was interviewing – Eli Dream went on the field, and she's like, oh, there's a second left. There's a second yeah. left. And they all had to disperse. So they had one more play. And, yeah, still. <laughs> yeah, absolutely uh, a disappointing for Florida there. Um, but a great win for Missouri. A, a great game and a great finish. And hopefully sets up a, a pretty big uh, and exciting um, matchup uh, between Arkansas and Missouri this weekend uh, while I'm in attendance. Hopefully we can put up a fight. KJ's uh, most likely his career finale. I have heard a rumor. I don't know if it's true or not. I have heard a rumor he is trying to get another year of eligibility to come back. I would love to see it. I, I don't know if it's true. It could be completely wrong, and he might transfer because I got no idea. Because honestly, if I was KJ, I would transfer. If it was in my best interest, that's what I would do. If we win, I'm rushing the field. <clears throat> I'm finding KJ. I'm giving him a big hug, thanking him for everything he's ever done. Yeah, and just like and just like leaving a note, it's like, hey, if you need an agent or something, just call yeah, me. I got you, man. <laughs> I know nothing about being an agent. Or no, no, or no. Here's what you do, Austin. You storm the field. You're like, hey, here's a no bull take podcast Instagram. We're going to send you a message during the summer for an interview. Yeah. Hit us up. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> or get them or get Harrison Mevis. Find him. Yeah, I'll find Harrison Mevis. I'll insult him. I'll insult the Tigers. And I'm like, say, but you're my favorite kicker well, for the bull take podcast. Can we have you on? In college football. Please come on and do it. <laughs> um, I'd love to see it. Uh, I'm going to try my best to hunt down a Harrison Mevis interview, whether it be on the field or in his Instagram. Yeah, just like get on your phone. It's like, we're here with Harrison Mevis. Harrison, how does it feel to lose to Arkansas? Yeah. Uh, I'll do what I can uh, for the Bold Take podcast, <laughs> of course. Um, but let's talk about these uh, college football playoff rankings. And uh, there really isn't much change. I'm not going to go like I do every week yeah. and just read off one by one. There's really only one change in the top ten. And that's Washington and Florida flip-flopping. Washington four, Florida State five. And uh let's this is where I wanted to talk about yeah. uh the Jordan Travis situation. And obviously, you know, the wonder was how would this affect Florida State? And clearly, um a couple factors played into this. I think the Jordan Travis injury at, for now has made Florida State less appealing. They've got two games to prove themselves to the college football right, playoff right. committee. Um against two. Uh, pretty good teams. Florida has been up and down this season, but bowl eligible, if I'm correct. I think they're five and six. They would need okay. to beat Florida State to get bowl. So you're going to get their best because so they're going to be the best from a team who's at their best has been a pretty decent. I mean, they team. beat a ranked Tennessee team this year. So 
it's not going to be easy. Not going to yeah, be easy. Not going to be easy whatsoever. And then you're playing Louisville, who is obviously one of the best teams in college football this right. year. They're sitting at number 10. Um, so you're going to get two really good games down the stretch to prove yourself. So it's not over for Florida State. But certainly I think not having Jordan Travis makes you more uh, less appealing, um, unfortunately. Right. Uh, and Washington, no matter how pretty it is, you're not expecting a blowout win against the number 11 team no, in the nation. No. So to get that two-point victory against number 11, basically a top 10 team in Oregon State, that's absolutely going to push uh, Washington <clears throat> into that top four picture. Yeah, definitely. Um, But when I hinted at this affecting Louisville, um, this could affect them in one of two ways. If you take Florida State, they win against Florida, they stay at four or five, uh, probably five. Mm-hmm. Um barring Washington wins their game. Actually, they'll probably move into the top four if they win just because somebody will lose between Ohio State and Michigan. Oh, yeah. Probably fall yeah. out. Yeah, definitely. And if not them, obviously, Oregon, Texas, Bama. If they don't think that, because we saw that with Tennessee last year. Absolutely. They finished number six, and then Hooker was out with injury, so they had other teams move up. So, yeah. So, you know, holding mm-hmm. them at that spot. But they'll be somewhere between four or four. Four and six. Yeah. Um. At, if they are to beat Florida, right. they'll be somewhere between four and six. You come into a matchup with Louisville, and to me, this goes one of two ways. Uh, if Louisville wins this game, if you win this game as Louisville, at barring you beat Kentucky, um, either the College Football Playoffs Committee is going to look at it. You beat the number four through six team in the nation. You deserve a big jump up. You deserve an opportunity. Maybe not top four. Right. But it could certainly help your resume. Right. Or they will say, sure, you beat Florida State, but they didn't have Jordan Travis. We don't care. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very and then not to mention, it'd be one thing if this team was undefeated, but they have that pit loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you got a, one, a lot of one loss teams competing for that final playoff spot and no Jordan Travis for Florida State, it really could come back to bite Louisville. And you add in who those losses are to. You're going to uh, Oregon. Who's that loss to? Oregon. Uh, Texas. Or did I just say Oregon lost to Oregon? Yeah, to Oregon Washington. lost to Washington. Jeez, I can't speak. And if they win the Pac-12 championship, that's their only loss, and they've avenged it. <clears throat> Washington's <throat> one loss is to Oregon, who is the Pac-12 champion yeah. in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. Bama's only loss is to Texas, who is above them. Texas only losses to Oklahoma, who is ranked 13th. So all these other teams, one loss is at least to a team ranked in the top 15 or at least ranked. You lost to a, I think they're 3-8 and eight pit team. That's hard to overcome in any in any sort of fashion. And to mention, like you said, if Alabama stays at one loss, then Georgia has one loss after championship. And their one loss is to Bama. And their one is- loss is to Bama. Ohio State and Michigan, uh, one loss is to the other. Yep. Whoever loses that game this weekend. And I mean, let's be honest. We we both feel pretty calm. The winner of this one's going to beat Iowa. So both teams are either one team's going to be 13 0 and the other's going to be 11 and 1. So yeah. uh, I will be rooting for Iowa to bring absolute mayhem to oh, yeah. college football uh, by winning the uh, Big Ten championship. But yes, I, I if I had to pick right now, I'd say the winner of this game wins the Big yeah. Ten. And speaking of that, we have a, we're going to discuss a chaos scenario here in a few yes. minutes. Uh, yeah. I'd love to get into it right now. Uh, oh, okay. Because, you know, you've got these other teams in the top 25, but not really much has changed, in my opinion, unless you really want to go through here and discuss every single one of these well, teams. Well, no, I have like a like a full layout for a chaos scenario. I like on who on who would be – who would we would discuss who gets in. 
Absolutely. I so, want to hear that. Um, I think everybody is okay with not hearing the outside of the top. 10. Yeah. Um, but shout, I will say if there's any other rankings we're going to discuss, shout out Liberty entering the rankings. Um, you're now having the conversation for that group of five member between them and uh, Tulane because Tulane plays um, UTSA, who is no slouch of an opponent. They lose that. Liberty wins. Liberty's the highest ranked group of five team. They would get that New, New Year's Six Bowl game. Absolutely. But none about that. Here's the chaos scenario, Austin. Here's what we're going to set up here. Number one, Michigan, 13-0, Big Ten champ. Florida State, 13-0, ACC champ. Alabama, 12-1, uh, SEC champ. Oregon, 12-1, Pac-12 champion. Texas, 12-1, Big 12 champion. Georgia, 12-1. Washington, 12-1. Ohio State, 11-1. Who gets in? To me... You got to take your two 13 and O's. Yeah, I was about to say, to me, Michigan and Florida State, even with the injury to, to Jordan Travis, I think Florida State deserves it no matter what. To me, I honestly think Oregon and Bama would be the ones that get in. I, I agree. I think that um, – I love – I would think Texas has a chance, but their win would not be as great as if Oregon beats Washington and Bama beats Georgia. Yeah, uh, I think you're talking about Washington is going to be in a top-four spot. Coming in a conference championship, right, league. right, 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 um, and that's going to be their only loss. That's going to swipe them in, um, and then it's really about weighing: is Texas's win against Alabama better than an SEC championship win for exactly. Alabama against Georgia, who will probably be the number one team in the nation at the time? Right. And yeah, I, I would agree with you. That's probably what I would do. <clears throat> um, fortunately. We have an expanded playoff yeah. coming soon. I was about to say, I was going to add to that. They posted what the 12-team playoff would look like with these rankings, if you're interested in hearing that I as well. I would love to hear it. So the first round games would be number 12, which would be the highest group of five, Tulane, would face Michigan. Would be an interesting matchup there, I think. The other one, nine versus eight, would be Missouri versus Alabama. That would be an intriguing one. Next one, 11 versus six, Penn State versus Oregon. Another fun one. And 10 versus 7, Louisville versus Texas. And then, obviously, the top four would be Georgia, Ohio State, Washington, and Florida State in that order from conference champions. And the first two teams out would be Ole Miss and Oklahoma. They would just miss out on the playoff there. So that's what a 12-team playoff would look like. Uh, There would be some fun matchups in there. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the thing I like about expanded playoff more is when we're talking about making cuts, we're talking about two lost teams, three lost teams, are the teams hanging out. Uh, we don't have to debate these, you know, one loss teams who have right. lost two, uh, I mean, guys who are going to the playoff. Right, right. And it just, it just adds more meaning to games. Like, let's say there's a matchup end of the year between the number 14 and the number 15 team in the nation. That's a big game. That's a massive game for college football playoff ramifications. So, yeah. and that's why I never understand people who are like the 12 team playoffs going to ruin college football. And uh, no, it's going to add more meaning to games. And also, at, well, maybe not if you're one of the top ones, but if you're a team in the teens the whole year, you know, listen, we got to win these games at the end of the year in these teen matchups and we take control of it. We can control our destiny at the end of the year. And maybe something else um, that I like about this is that the top five highest-ranked conference champions will make the college football yeah, playoff. automatic. This, this new one automatically. 
that gives more meanings to teams like Iowa. Let's say if Arizona was to make it to the conference championship, a team like Oklahoma State, Kansas State, or Oklahoma, those teams that are just outside, that maybe even with a ton of chaos right in a 12-team playoff, couldn't make it without winning the conference right. championship. But now you talk about getting into that conference champ, winning your conference championship, you get an automatic in, and now there are other teams who – it makes every game more important because if a two-loss Iowa – wins the Big Ten. That takes away another at-large spot yes. to one of those teams that because lost that. now the team they beat in Ohio State or Michigan is going to have to, you know, is probably going to still get a spot. And so that means somebody else is getting dropped from the end. Yeah, it just adds more chaos. And like I said, I'm a fan of chaos. Anything with chaos is good in my books. And it adds a little more meaning to the conference championship right. games. Uh, we think about TCU losing last year. Uh, Kansas State would have been the automatic one in. Kansas State would have gotten an automatic clinch. TCU still would have made it. Purdue uh, last year would have made it if they had beat Michigan, who they were close with at halftime. So if they would have won that, that would have led to all kinds of chaos there. You just think about a lot of opportunities in this 14 playoff where a team hasn't either didn't go to their conference championship or didn't win their conference championship and still made this top four. Um, It gives more meaning to a conference championship game uh, and especially those group of five ones at the end of the year because, you know, I mean, for Liberty and Tulane, Tulane knows, hey, we win, we're going to we're gonna get in. We're going to get in no matter what. Or Liberty sees it if Tulane loses, like, all we got to do is win out. We control destiny. We get to face off against the best teams. And we can have that debate because in recent years, you know, we had those debates about would some of these group of five teams compete. We saw Tulane last year. Defeat a USC team many people thought was the best offense in America. They had a win against them to show they can compete. And that's what this 12-team playoff is going to show next year. And, I mean, I, I just can't wait for it next year. Yeah, um, and, well, I, I've heard the argument that not every game is going to be a close game, and that's why we shouldn't do it. And, sure, I agree. Right. Uh, not every game will be a close game. There will be some teams, even in this 12-team playoff, where they're going to be your five or is going to run away against the 12 or whatever. Right. Um. But it's giving people a chance that they otherwise wouldn't have. And you think about the um, money that brings in for those schools, especially that 12 seed for the group of five. You know how much more money Tulane's going to get? They can sell playoff tickets. They can get playoff merch. That brings in more money for schools, which allows them to have huge upgrades and make their schools overall better. Absolutely. Um, but let's start spinning and talking a little bit about uh, this upcoming slate here for this weekend. Um Obviously, we've got Missouri versus Arkansas. This will be, you know, with this being rivalry weekend, it seems like every year and year this rivalry starts to mean a little bit more. Obviously, it was kind of created out of thin air after Texas A&M and Missouri joined the SEC uh, due to Texas A&M's demands to play LSU on rivalry weekend, kind Mm -hmm. of cutting out that Arkansas-LSU matchup at the end of the year. (laughs) Um, But it seems like this battle line trophy seems to have more and more significance in uh, players who come up with it, now you talk about guys who have been there for uh, you know, their whole careers. They've been in this rivalry their whole career. So it's starting to mean uh, more to the players and the programs, and there's uh, more <clears> into <throat> it. So you're going to see close games here. At least you're going to see teams giving their 100% all. Um, so it'll be an interesting matchup in Missouri. I'll be rooting for an upset. I'd love to be uh, running across the field, um, ripping down goalposts and yeah, such. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And you would rip down the goalposts all by uh, yourself too, right? Yeah, yes. single-handedly, um, easily. Um, but, no, it should be interesting. Arkansas, again, no bowl game for them. So they literally have no reason not to go all out with all the guys out there. They have nothing to lose. 
Missouri has potentially a big time New Year's Six spot on the line that they could lose if they lose this game, and it would be a ten win season for for Missouri, which they haven't had I think since like twenty fourteen. Yeah, really since they like when they first joined the SEC. So um, there's a lot on the line here for Missouri and Arkansas. I mean, they have nothing to lose, which makes this a dangerous game for Missouri. Even if I wasn't a Razorback fan, I would say this is a dangerous game for them. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you there. Um, then, obviously, we talked about the ramifications of uh, this Texas Tech-Texas matchup, and this Texas Tech team has been pretty good this year. Um, so put up a good fight. They're obviously bowl eligible. Um, we've seen pandemonium before in Texas Tech, Texas. Uh-huh. Um, so don't act like it can't happen. Michael Crabtree, anybody? Yeah. Uh, that That's a game that uh, will live in infamy uh, in this rivalry. And sure. I'm just saying this. Texas Tech, like two weeks ago, went on the road to Kansas and beat Kansas after they just beat Oklahoma. Um, so I think it's absolutely possible. Can Texas Tech won three in a row. They beat TCU, went on the road to Kansas, and they beat UCF. So Texas Tech's hot. Now they got to go on the road in the Texas, which is tough. But I think that they're a tough team, and they're one of my dark horse teams at the start of the year. Obviously, they didn't um, do great overall, but I think they absolutely have a great chance to win this game. I'm, I hope for chaos, but I ultimately do think Texas will end up on top. But I think Texas Tech has a fair chance to maybe cause something to happen. Yeah, um, then we've got uh, Kentucky and Louisville matching up. Um, and like we said, Kentucky is sitting at 6-5 this year. They haven't been what they looked like at the beginning of the yeah. year. But this is a tough team. And for Louisville, with a loss to Pitt, every game is going to be a test for mm-hmm. them because you know uh, what can happen when they come out and don't play their best football. Yeah, and uh, this is a Kentucky team that's physical. They're going to want to run the football. They're going to want to slow this game down. And they have a solid run game, a solid defense. Um, I actually expect this to be a low-scoring game. If Kentucky wants to win, they need to be a low-scoring affair. Uh, Louisville, I would say they need to speed it up. I think, obviously, vice versa here, you know. Um, but I don't know. I expect Kentucky to hang around this game. They always they always seem to do. These two play at the end of the year. It's usually a really close matchup no matter what. So I'm expecting a close one. I'm expecting Kentucky to maybe have a shot if the ground game is working and Will Levis, or I almost said Will Levis, um, if Devin Leary can make those throws whenever he's required to. But I do think Louisville ultimately comes out on top because they know what's ahead of them next week. Absolutely. Um, Alabama versus Auburn, the Iron Bowl, always means a little bit more. Um, And this has a chance to absolutely ruin the college football playoff, though. If Auburn wins this game, Alabama beats Georgia. Alabama doesn't make the uh, college football playoff. It basically clinches Georgia for the college football playoff. Pretty much. Um, You think about, again, I mentioned it just a second ago, uh, TCU versus uh, Kansas State. Two lost Kansas State. They win the Big 12 championship, and they just say, okay, TCU's still in. Mm-hmm. which I think TCU should have gone. Absolutely. Um, but that it just basically means that if you face somebody who has two losses, you're just going to automatically make the college football playoff anyway. Yeah, and um, I mean, let's just face it. The game's at Jordan-Hare in Auburn. This isn't at Alabama. This is at Alabama. There'd be no shot of anything happening here, I don't think. But it's at Jordan-Hare. I'm just saying we've seen some wacky things happen at Jordan-Hare in this rivalry, just a couple of things. And yeah. keep in mind, 2021, I think Auburn was 6-5 and five or like 7-4. and four. Uh, playing an undefeated Bryce Young in Alabama, they went to uh, triple overtime, I think, or four overtimes. Um, so you know it's going to be close because literally this is it for Auburn. You know they're going to a bowl game probably, 
but they have been scrapping. And I know what you're thinking. Obviously, the elephant in the room. They lost to New Mexico State yeah. last week. Paid them $1.8 million. So, literally, they are coming in on the lowest of lows. That's why Alabama needs to be ready to go for this game because Auburn's coming in off of that. And I think Bama, arguably, I think is one of the best teams is entering that top four conversation. These last couple weeks, they have gotten on a roll. Um, us at the Bolt Take Podcast have never doubted Jalen Milrow all year. We want that to be known. Yeah, never. Um, yeah, we never doubted him. Uh just like we do, we stand with our quarterbacks. With them, when y'all doubted Jalen, when y'all doubted Tua, um, what can we say? We know who to trust here. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I expect it to be a close one. And I mean, it's the Iron Bowl. You're, you're, you're telling me you're not going to watch the Iron Bowl. You're a liar. Yeah. Um, then you've got Washington State. Washington. Uh, this will be a back and forth game. Cam Ward, obviously, an exciting talent uh, there at Washington State. Michael Penix. Uh, it's just going to be two thrilling offenses really dueling it. And obviously, um, Washington in that uh, championship game, no matter what. But this means a little bit more than just the uh, Pac-12 championship. Yeah, and of course, you know, they signed an extension where these two are going to play for the next couple of years. It's great that schools leaving for different conferences are actually able to work out their differences, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State yeah, uh, and several other rivalries. Um, get it figured out. These two got it figured out. Um but, yeah, my thing with Washington State, I mean, they're playing for a bowl game. They're five and six, which I know is crazy to believe after the way they started this year. What, I think they started four and oh, five and oh. Um, and now they're five and six where they're looking at them not making a bowl game this year. Um, so they got something to play for in Washington. You know, they clinched the berth. They're now number four in the playoff. Everyone's looking at him and saying, all right, here's your chance to make your statement. Washington's got to be ready to go. The good news is it's at home, so they should have a good home crown. And keep in mind, there's a little bit of a revenge factor. A few years ago, Washington State beat Washington, and the Washington State fans stormed the field at Washington. Don't forget wow. about that. So um, I expect Washington to come out ready to go here. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's going to be two fun offenses, two fun quarterbacks going head-to-head. Um, I think something for Washington to, have to watch out for is the top-four ranking kind of puts a target on your right back. right um but for washington i think they've really ultimately benefited uh from their circumstances i really am a firm believer that they shouldn't put two big 10 teams in the top four when Absolutely. they know one of them right, is going right, to be right. eliminated um that's just my personal take on it uh, but one thing it does benefit is a team like Washington, even though they've been coming in at number five, it doesn't quite feel the same as number four, number three, number two, number one, having that college football playoff spot. Um, I feel like it just puts an extra edge against some of those right. opponents. Um, and that's something that, you know, they haven't really had to deal with a lot of teams uh, trying to bust them out of that, out of yeah. the college football playoff exactly. picture. And now they come into their last game and now they'll have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe it takes a little bit of pressure off of them. Um, and now they get that pressure applied, but something they haven't had to deal with all year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, this matchup. Um, but let's get into the team and player of the week here from our, this past week before yes, we sir. get into our game picks. Uh, and for my teams of the week, I went app state number one. Uh, Impressive performance by App State to hang around with James Madison and uh, overall win this game. As much as I don't agree with uh, some of the decisions made down the stretch, I think there were uh, a lot mm-hmm. of blown pass interferences. And obviously uh, that ending, the, yeah. Um, and I personally, watching the replay, thought it was a fumble Me out too. the back of the end zone that should have resulted in a James Madison win. Um, but 
the replay officials, um, they thought otherwise. Yeah, they say that that's not what happened. So we have to take them at their word. Uh, an impressive performance by App State to even hang around in this game. Right. Um, so for them to come out and get this win, I, I give them the credit. It's not like uh, it's not like I think they cheated or anything. Yeah. Um, just came down to circumstance. Um, so I give them my number one spot here. Uh, at number two, I've got Arizona. They're rolling. They're beating good teams. This is a team you do not want to play. At number three, I had Louisville. They played Miami in a close game, um, but a very good and competitive Miami team that was in the rankings um, probably would still uh, have a bit of a different outcome this season had they taken a knee against Georgia Tech. Um, so that's always something to remember against Miami is they're a little bit better than what the record shows. Right. Uh at number four, I went Washington. They played a top ten matchup. It wasn't the prettiest game weather had something to do with it. Um, but they come out and they get the job done. And at number five, I went Kansas State. Uh, this was a big matchup to stay alive in the Big 12 title picture. And obviously, uh, still an opportunity for Kansas State. Uh, so I gave them the nod here as well. Yeah, so a couple of similarities, a little bit of differences. Uh, number one for me, I gave it to Arizona just because, I mean, number one, I picked Utah in this game. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, uh, that was one of the differences in our game picks, which we'll talk about here in the standings in a second. Uh, but, no, I liked Arizona's performance, and like I said, there's not a team in the United States of America that wants to play Arizona right now. Number two, App State, absolutely have to give credit to them. Uh, they go on the road. They beat James Madison on college game day. They almost remember they had game day last year. They almost lost at home on college game day, but they had that great hail Mary at the end of the game where I literally went around my house screaming because I couldn't believe I just witnessed that live. Uh, number three, Washington. Uh, that was a gutsy win. That wasn't a win where I was like, man, they look dominant. That was a win where I was like, they did what they needed to do to come out of there with a win. And the defense really stepped up. Yeah. Out. Defense played phenomenal and they, they got together. Cause like I said, uh, Washington didn't score any points in the second half. Their defense gave up 10 points, but they made the stops late. Uh, number four, I went with SMU. Uh, they defeated Memphis, and quietly, um, SMU is probably one of the more underrated teams in America. They're 9-2, and two, undefeated in the American Athletic. and They're 9-2? and two. Yeah, 9-2. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Going to the ACC it's, next year. Yeah, that... yeah, you know, an ACC tradition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they, they're they really good. And something we haven't talked about, American Athletic, um, obviously Tulane, and UTSA plays weekend. Those two and SMU, all three of them are seven and zero in American Athletic play, which makes Tulane UTSA this Friday at three thirty on ABC an elimination game. The winner is playing SMU for that um, American Athletic title, most likely. So I want to give SMU credit for a great win against Memphis and number five Louisville. Like you said, it's a win. It was a gutsy win to go on the road to Miami. They had their big plays uh, and they were able to come out on top. All righty. Uh, now we'll take a look at uh, what the people had to say. Yeah, what did what the they people had to say? say was uh, Arizona clearing house uh, on Instagram. <laughs> um, and Arizona being involved in two two-way ties uh, on Twitter with App State <laughs> and SMU, uh, which puts Arizona at a healthy 25 points to oh be our team of the week this week. Um, they are America's team right now. For yeah, they're they're absolutely the team to cheer for. Impressive performances. Uh, this gets them uh, on the books um, and an absolutely big time, uh, massive show out for them. Yeah, great for them. Great for Arizona, and hopefully, you know, we get to see them play next week in the Pac-12 title game. Absolutely, uh, I'd love to see it. 
Um, but now let's get into the player of the week. Uh, and at number one, I had Gavin Sawchuk running back out of Oklahoma. This one kind of surprised me. I liked it, though. Uh, this kid ran for 100 and something yards, a couple touchdowns for OU. Um, he's a true freshman. Uh, I did not know this. That um, I did not know. I hadn't heard of him. So as I was, you know, doing this research, I saw his performance. I was like, that's a pretty good performance. I think I'll mark that down as a notable performance. Looked and saw he was a freshman and said, yeah, this is going to be my number one uh, for the week. Um, so I was very impressed to see a true freshman come out, step up in a big way for this team and help them get a gritty win uh, against BYU this weekend and keep them in contention for that Big 12 title game. Um, at number two, I have Carson Beck. Uh, you know, earlier this year, we had a lot of questions about Carson Beck. Would he right. be able to step up when they needed him to, when the run game got tested? Uh, and this past weekend, he really delivered, uh, I believe nearly 300 yards, if not 300 yep. yards passing, four touchdowns. Um, he really, you know, I compared him to Stetson Bennett at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to apologize and take that back because he has so far proven he's a much more talented oh, yeah. passer. Oh, yeah. Um, Stetson Bennett. Got the job done when he needed to, but this guy gets the job done, seems like, on a pretty consistent basis. And his first full year as a starter. Yeah, so absolutely hats off to him. He he has truly been the guy Georgia needed to help keep this team at a championship-level pace. Uh, at number three, I went Jaden Daniels. Uh, this was a resounding performance. This would be much higher if it wasn't against Georgia State. Georgia yep. State, 6-5. and five. They've been a fun team to watch they this have. year. I really yeah. like Georgia State. Um, but this is not the level of competition that LSU uh, should be playing. And, you know, while this is a great performance, uh, I couldn't put it any higher just because, uh, you know, this is not the team that uh, – you're expecting to hang around with LSU. Yep. Uh, at number four, I went Sam Hartman. Uh, what a way to potentially close out Legend. Your, uh, <laughs> your home run. Probably uh, your favorite ever since we've done started doing the Bull Take podcast. I think he might be your favorite college football player. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sam Hartman uh, is probably up there. He was uh, a joy to watch at Wake Forest. Um, obviously, we know how ecstatic I was when he decided to come to Notre Dame this offseason. Yep. Um, it was a nice farewell at home. Uh, one more regular season game against Stanford on the road on the Pac-12 Network, so I won't even be able to watch uh, his regular season finale for Notre Dame, Disgusting. which is really annoying uh, to me. Um, I'm just annoyed that the Pac-12 Network's final game will not is... be a Pac-12 conference game. Yeah, that that just bothers me. Uh, it's doing it's doing the Pac-12 uh, wrong, um, but. Thank you, Sam Armour, for what you did. It was an impressive performance. Um, thank you for coming and playing for Notre Dame. Obviously, it's And in- it was against his former team. It's almost yeah. poetic. Uh, obviously, it's not quite the end of that, his college career or his Notre Dame career, but uh, it was a pretty good farewell point uh, for South Bend. Um, and at number five, I went Cam Ward. Um, he has kind of fallen off of the bull take radar a little bit just because of the performance of the right. team. So I thought I'd give Cam Ward a little love because he had a pretty exciting performance this past weekend. Okay. So uh, once again, we didn't have any that matched yet again. I'm liking this trend, though. Yeah. Uh, my number one, I went with Taj Brooks uh, for uh, Texas Tech. Uh, this is just a guy I think deserved a little bit of credit. I caught the end of this uh, Texas Tech UCF game. It was a fun game to watch. Uh, close one throughout. Um, but in the end, I really like Tosh Brooks' performance. 182 yards, one touchdown. Uh, was dominant on the ground. He's senior, has 1,300 yards on the year, nine touchdowns. Uh, Texas Tech were to pull off the upset against Texas on Friday, which I hope they do. 
he's going to need to be the main factor in that. Number two, I went with the new one, Jared Wiley, a tight end from TCU. You don't see a nope. lot. Of, I, don't, I don't know if we've had any tight ends on this list all year. Uh, besides Brock Bowers. No. Brock Bowers, yes. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot about him. Uh, Jared Wiley, seven catches, 178 yards, two touchdowns in, tex- in TCU's win over Baylor. And he was a Max Dugan favorite target besides Quentin Johnson. Yep, 6-7. I mean, I don't blame him for being my target. If I was quarterback, I'd throw it. I'm like, yeah. get everyone get out of the way in the red zone. I'm throwing it up to 6-7. Number three, had to give it to the man, Bo Nix. Uh, probably the Heisman favorite right now. Oh, him and Jaden Daniels. A great performance. Six touchdown passes. Had more touchdown passes than incompletions against Arizona State. Five incompletions, six touchdown passes. Wow. Over 400 yards passing. I had to put him on the list. Number four, had to get a defensive player in here. I always like to get a defensive player in here at the end. Uh, Jabbar Muhammad, the defensive back for Washington, had two key interceptions in their win against Oregon State on Saturday night. And, you know, like I said, I watched that whole game, and he had a great performance in that game. And my fifth one, had to give a shout-out to Billy Bowman Jr., Defensive back for Oklahoma, a 100-yard pick six against BYU that literally made my jaw hit the floor because I was like, oh, boy, BYU is going to take the lead. This is great. Nope, not happening. So I had to get him in on the list at number five. Absolutely. But I'm interested to see how this how this went on the player of the week because I really have no idea. Yeah, uh, this was a, a very tight race um, that saw social media saw – uh, Gavin Sawchuk, Carson Beck, Jaden Daniels, uh, Jared Wiley, and Bo Nix all receiving votes. Um, two vote uh, separation between one and two. Oh, man. Um, 11 to nine. Uh, and you want to take a guess as to who won? Our I'm going to say Bo Nix. Bo Nix was our player of the oh. week with 11 votes. In second place, the freshman Gavin Sawchuk. So. Oh, man. Hey, props to Gavin Sautcher. Hey, that's a great getting second place yeah. true freshman. Absolutely. But, I mean, Bo, Bodacious. Bo, no Bodacious has been uh, <laughs> something else this year, and good to see him get a nod uh, this year um, for the bold take. Um, certainly, it is going to be interesting deciding our all bold take uh, oh team. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be brutal. I haven't even I haven't even thought about it. That's going to be brutal trying to make that, make that yeah, team. Yeah, it's going to be grueling. Um, obviously, talking about our bold take podcast player of the year as well. Dude, uh, don't even get started on that. <laughs> uh, better than the Heisman. Changed my mind. Uh, yeah, uh, our trophy will be better. It's in, actually invisible. You, yeah. You, it, it is that good. And, gonna, do, and doesn't weigh a thing. It's yeah, not even it's heavy. It's going to be a spiritual trophy, really. Uh, we might like get you like a mug that could yeah. be your trophy here bold take player of the year here's your mug yeah we'll get you a bold take t-shirt um <laughs> support the brand which um, honestly would be better than the high and then hey we could start the bold take house commercials yeah we not, could. not the heisman house no we got the bold take it'd house. be a pretty empty house for the first year it'd be one guy <laughs> in there the first year could just be uh, whoever it is just walking around the house, he's like, so when are we getting new people? Me and you are like, don't worry. They're coming. Don't they're worry. Coming, they're coming. They'll be here next year. We got you. Um, but with that, let's get into these game picks. Uh, we're picking one game from each day, Thursday, yep. Friday, and Saturday. But and we got to do the game pick records first. We got to yes, have the update here. So this man, my gosh, he is on a tear right now. 29 and 18, 11 games above 500. 11 games above 500. No yes. way. Uh, me, you took a bit of a lead with me picking Utah. You picked Arizona, and you picked Washington. I picked Oregon State. So now I am twenty-five and twenty-two. You have a four-game lead over me 
You you've taken full. This you, is our best year picking game. Oh my gosh! Like Easy. legitimately, we have been on fire overall picking games as a whole. So, um, yeah. But you are clear cut away. I mean, you this and NFL NFL one is going to shock you even more. I think wow. whenever we do that one, you you sir are just whatever this guy picks is probably going to happen at this. I don't rate, so. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Um, maybe hey, take some money lines when we're doing our game picks. As well. uh, that's exactly what I did this weekend on all of them except for the ones where I picked them, and yeah, I made I made money with them. So <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, not trying to push anybody to gamble, but, um, but but you should trust this man. Trust this man. Just. Yeah, trust him. Trust him. He knows what he's talking about. But with that being said, on Thursday, there's only one game you could pick for Thanksgiving. It's always on. It's always on. It's the Egg Bowl. It's Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. Um, And it's probably not much of a game pick, but you got to give a nod to the Egg Bowl here. It is a tradition Um, unlike any other. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It used to be that one. It used to be Texas and Texas A&M that played. I wonder – if they'll continue that tradition on Thanksgiving, I would love two games on Thanksgiving for college football. Absolutely. Um, this rivalry has seen everything uh, from miracle late touchdowns to, to a- pretending to pee on the goalpost <laughs> uh, to missing the extra point um, and everything in between. Um, but who do you have in this matchup? Oh, my gosh. You know, Mississippi State has nothing to play for in this game except for their five and six. They'd play for a bowl game. Ole Miss usually chokes it at the end of the year, and they're coming off a loss against Georgia, and they honestly were struggling with ULM Monroe. Um, Louisiana Monroe this past week, they won 35-3. to uh, So I expect this actually to be a really close game, uh, as it usually is in the Egg Bowl. Uh, but I'm going to give an edge to Lane Kiffin and company to come out on top. But I would not be shocked if Mississippi State pulled off the upset because these in-state rivalries, regardless of you complaining that rivalries won't matter in 12-team playoff, in-state rivalries always matter. Yeah, I mean, 12-team playoff doesn't take away from this. In fact, again, with more teams being able to make it, that makes more teams in competition. Absolutely. Um, it means more people are going to be playing harder. And you add in Mississippi State's good at the end of the year. Ole Miss, they're both good. That makes that maybe a playoff eliminator on Thanksgiving night. Are you kidding me? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there there's no reason to be saying rivalries don't matter, but – uh, I'm going to go with you here with Ole Miss. I think Mississippi State's going to be fired up. I think we're going to see a lot of close games this weekend. You usually do in rivalry weekend. Oh, yeah, and it's always chef's yeah. kiss. It's perfect. Teams want to beat each other. They want to win those rivalry trophies. I think that's what makes the rivalry so special in college football. You have a special trophy for showing how bad you kick somebody's butt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a team that's not that far away from you. They're yeah. in the same state, and the fans just hear about it from each other for 365 days until they play again. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to give the edge to Ole miss here though just because i think if mississippi state uh had a a bit more of an answer at head coach i I think i'd give them a chance but obviously going through a change they've got an interim right now uh well maybe they don't have an interim i think they they have an interim i don't know if they've hired anyone speaking that i have a question for you who would you hire mississippi state is there any uh smaller uh school coaching candidates that you like for it obviously we know the jamie chadwell rumors i uh Uh, who's james madison's coach i think that um, guy's gonna start getting a lot of attention what his name is but i i'm not gonna lie to you before they announced sam Pittman was coming back uh that's who i wanted arkansas to hire uh i thought he would have been a great coach there um Um, obviously maybe another guy i'd look at uh Barry Odom has had a really exciting year at UNLV. I like that. Uh, Kurt, um, um, I'll let you take a shot at that last name. Kurt uh, Signetti. Yeah, we'll go with Signetti. Uh, go Kurt Signetti. Signetti. 
Um, he's definitely a guy I would consider. Like I said, Barry Odom is another guy. Obviously, we've seen his defense work at the SEC level right. as, as well. Not uh, incredibly sick, super duper uber successful, um, but it was enough to get him a head coaching job. It was enough to make him one of the best coordinator, uh, considered one of the better coordinators in college football during his time in Arkansas. Um, so obviously, I, I think he's a guy you can consider, especially with how well he's handled uh, being at UNLV, especially having the guy who's supposed to be his OC dip out yeah. uh, and head to Texas A&M. Yeah, man. I think it's safe to say I think Bobby might have regretted going A&M. <laughs> yeah, uh, since he might not be there next year. Nope. Um, then we've got Oregon State versus Oregon on Friday Ooh. night. And I love this on boy, Friday night. Oh boy, oh boy. I'm glad they didn't put this on Saturday. Yeah, this, is, uh, this game means a whole ton. Um, Oregon fighting for a chance to make it. Oregon State won this game last year, didn't throw a pass in the second half. They're a better team this year, and they can keep Oregon out of the Pac-12 championship for the second year in a row. We saw, you say rivalries don't mean anything. This team last year had nothing to gain. Oregon State had nothing to gain except keeping Oregon out of the Pac-12 championship. That's exactly what And they that's did. why they went out and stomped them in the second half of that game. They will absolutely look to do the same thing in this one, and they have a little more to gain from it. You talk about bigger bowl game because of how well they are placed uh, right. this season. Um, Oregon State's got a lot in this game. Who do you got in this one? Oh, my God. This is brutal. Um, and it's literally called the Civil War, which makes it even more brutal. Yeah. Um, oh, man. You know what? As an, as an agent of chaos, uh, I, I put that sticker right on my chest as an agent of chaos. Not the head agent. There's there's plenty more people that root for chaos, especially the Sickos Committee. Shout out to Sickos yes, Committee. absolutely. Um, but I'm a man who wants to see chaos, and I think Arizona deserves a shot in the Pac-12 title game. Give me DJ Ukulele in Oregon State to go on the road and shot Bo Nix. High scoring affair. I'm expecting a lot of points here. Over under 62 and a half. I might consider the over on that one. Um, but get, yeah, give me give me the Beavers in this one. I like Oregon State to make an, a great bounce back from a heartbreaking loss against Washington. Yeah, um, I'm actually with you on this one. I was going to pick this one the same way. Um, I'd like to see Arizona in, and I don't know. You've got that momentum riding high from last year in this matchup against Oregon State. Uh, It was an explosive Oregon team, an Oregon team that was vibing for a Pac-12 berth, vibing for a uh, a college football playoff opportunity, and they you know, were knocking on the doorstep. Um, So I think Oregon State comes out, fights them, Hard to the death, gets the job done here against Oregon. Uh, and then, obviously, Saturday's game. I hate Fox Big Noon kickoff. It's the hate it. thing to ever Burn exist. it to the ground. <laughs> um, but it's a Ohio State and Michigan. It's number two one. versus number three. Uh, it is all but a college football playoff eliminator. Who do you got in this one? Um, well, can I just say, I honestly think you look at all the ramifications of this year, the whole Michigan scandal, the fact that Ohio State hired the private investigators to investigate into Michigan. Honestly, I think since maybe 2006, this might be the biggest game uh, just in general that we've ever talked about on here yeah. or ever hyped up about it. So um, expecting a low scoring affair, the over-under is 46 on it, I might hammer the under i'm these are two of the best defenses in college football um two interesting passing games yeah we'll we'll call we'll call them interesting um but i look at it this way for both teams you know you know obviously the elephant in the room john or almost a john a harbaugh is not going to be there the he's not going to be there for michigan on the sideline 
Ryan Day will. And so, you know, Michigan looked bad against Maryland. And so you would think, let's lean Ohio State. They're heading in that right direction. That's why I'm taking Michigan to win this game. Uh, I'm going to go with Michigan to win it. I actually think they can win it by double digits. Uh, And that just comes down to me that if both these teams do have to pass the ball, which we haven't really seen a lot of, uh, I trust J.J. McCarthy way more than I do Kyle McCord. Um, I know I've been hating on Kyle McCord all year. I try not to hate on him, but it's just when I come down these matchups, I think if they're evenly matched, I'm like, well, which quarterback do I trust more to make the throws? I trust J.J. McCarthy more. Give me Michigan to win it and win uh, a trip to the Big Ten Championship. I'm going to go with Ohio State in this one. Oh, um, wow. This will be our big difference, and it's going to be a big game. Uh, but I'm going Ohio State. Uh, I think Michigan's look sloppy. They've looked poor. I think confidence has got to be low. They can, I don't know, they can pretend to be hyped up and excited, but you don't have your head coach. You're probably going to get suspended from postseason play uh, this offseason. Um, there's a lot of pressure on this program. Yep. Um, and I, I just think it's going to get to them. Uh, my big thing is, while uh, both of these passing games are interesting, uh, as we'll keep referring to it, um, Ohio State's passing game is so interesting that they've started handing the ball off to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. He had that rushing touchdown right, last week. Right. Um, so looking to get your best player involved in any way, shape, or form on offense and him being successful at it, I think is Im- incredibly important. And we've seen how well uh, they're starting back, uh, running back, Travion Henderson. Henderson, yes, uh, how well he's done when he's been healthy. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to be able to rely on that run game. Uh, And I I think we just saw how much uh, this Michigan defense can struggle against a high-powered offense in Maryland. Uh, And I think that's what gives Ohio State the itch here. They've got a better offensive line. They're not going to get beat by that Michigan D-line. Okay, I like it. First time we're picking it live on here, we got the disagreement. I love it. I love it. Hopefully that means I move up one spot closer. And hey, keep in mind, last year we picked every single bowl game on here. Yeah, and I I look forward to doing it again. We'll probably pick up the big conference. We'll pick the big five conference championships for sure. And then the bowl game. So you think the game picks, obviously for NFL, they'll probably come down the wire soon. But college football is still so wide open. Yeah, it's wide open. Uh, I'm I'm excited for uh, what we've got coming here. It's definitely not over yet, but I need to extend the lead. In any no, way you I can. no, you don't. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> finally, let's get into that bet of the week. Yes, that bet of the week. Um, you know, and I will say, I will give a round of applause to this man. You are at 500, sir. You are yes. seven and seven on the year. I'm back. Congratulations, sir. Uh, Mine, unfortunately, not hit. So I'm seven and nine, including the two extra ones. So overall, we are 14 and 16. So we need a good week this week to at least get you to 500 entering conference championship play. And I look at it as this you know, a few weeks ago, I took the Iowa um, under in their game against Rutgers. It was the lowest ever in college football. I think it was 27 and a half or 27 when it ended with. So I went with it. And you know, I was looking, there was a couple of bets that I was considering for ones. I was contemplating the under in Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, but every time I just see it, I just can't believe it. It has dropped down to 26. The over under, Iowa, Nebraska, and you already know where I'm going. Give me the over. I'm kidding. Nope, we're going oh, no. with the under. I had no. you for a second. You did have me. Give, me, give me the under 26 for Iowa, Nebraska. Um, 
This game is going to be on CBS on Friday at 11 a.m. It is going to be disgusting, and I'm going to watch every second of it because I don't know if there's a better 11 a.m. game unless I'm tripping here. Um, if there is, then I'll just keep an eye on it. Uh, no, there's not a better 11 a.m. game, so I will be watching that disgusting affair, which we will call Iowa-Nebraska under 26. Um, I'm going to go uh... – Obviously, uh, an opposite swing for you here. Oh, um, I'm going to take the over in Washington, Washington State. That's currently at 68. I love uh, it. I'm going I love way it. over that here. Um, so hopefully, we'll cash on an over under uh, parlay for hey, the big take just saying, this weekend. We hit both of these. We're over 500 for the year. We're over 500, we're or at least 500 yeah. entering conference championship. Um, but with all that being said, for the Bold Take Podcast. Ooh. That's going to do it for us here as we get into this rivalry weekend. We're getting closer and closer to the end of the year, and I smell chaos of brewing, whether it's now or later. We're going to have some questions answered, um, but we got that NFL episode coming very, very soon. Uh, but that's Austin Waiter. I'm Austin Hill, and we want to thank you for listening.